Were the Senate to fail to confirm Brett, it would not only mean passing up the opportunity to confirm a great jurist, but would also undermine civility in politics twice over. Just in playing politics with such an obviously qualified candidate. That was Senator Orrin Hatch of Utah trying, trying to give his opening statements at the recent hearings on the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh for the U.S. Supreme Court. We'll discuss next. From the nation's capital, this is Use Your Voice with Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Hello, everyone. Penny Nance back again with you from the nation's capital, where we recently had one of the most consequential judiciary hearings in my lifetime, the hearings for the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the U.S. Supreme Court. I, or part of the CWA team, our staff, our leaders from around the country, were in the room for every second of the hearings, praying and giving you the play-by-play of everything that happened. So on that note, I want to encourage anyone listening who does not follow us on social media to do so immediately. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's the best way to keep track of what's going on behind the scenes and a way for you to know how to pray for us and for the nation. One of the things we did in preparation for these hearings was to have a week of prayer. We had a prayer guide that gave you some specifics on how to pray about what's happening, and we want to make all of these resources available to you. But if you just wait for our next show, you're going to miss all of that. You can find all of our social media handles at concernedwomen.org. Anyway, I just want to keep in touch between shows as we continue to band together and use our voices to impact our culture and our nation. Now, back to the hearings on the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme court. The takeaways are three. Number one, Brett Kavanaugh is an incredibly qualified nominee. He has over 300 court decisions. He's only been overturned one time. He has been referred to directly or indirectly by the Supreme Court at least a dozen times. And everyone knows he is so qualified for this job. He will be, number two, a great addition to the Supreme Court. As I've already mentioned, they're already following some of his legal theory. He is extremely competent. And the point is, many Democrats could care less. In fact, most of the Democrats in this room that are throwing such a fit about documents have already come out and said they're not going to support him. So it's smoke and mirrors. There is simply no other way of putting it. For some senators, this is campaign season. It wasn't about the nominee. It wasn't about the records. So that's why their complaints about the documents, which I'm sure you've all heard about, did not resonate. Look, if the American Bar Association, which is no friend of conservatives, had enough documents to rate him unanimously well-qualified, which, by the way, is their highest rating, then certainly senators had enough information to vet this nominee. In fact, we learned at the hearing that the more than half million pages of documents that the committee received on Judge Kavanaugh is more than any other nominee in history and more than the last five nominees combined. Just think about that. They have more information than they've had for the last five nominees combined, and they're going on and on about this. It's not reasonable, and it's not believable. But having said that, we want to let you hear from the nominee himself. I want to give you the opportunity to make your own mind up about Judge Kavanaugh. So we're going to play some of the extended clips of his testimony. Here he's talking about his approach to his role as a judge. As a nominee to the Supreme Court, I understand the responsibility I bear. 
Some 30 years ago, Judge Anthony Kennedy sat in this seat. He became one of the most consequential justices in American history. I served as his law clerk in 1993. To me, Justice Kennedy is a mentor, a friend, and a hero. As a member of the court, he was a model of civility and collegiality. He fiercely defended the independence of the judiciary, and he was a champion of liberty. If you had to sum up Justice Kennedy's entire career in one word, liberty. Justice Kennedy established a legacy of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. I'm here today with another of my judicial heroes, my mom. 50 years ago this week, in September 1968, my mom was 26 and I was three. At that time, my mom started as a public school teacher at McKinley Tech High School here in Washington, D.C. 1968 was a difficult time for race relations in our city and our country. McKinley Tech had an almost entirely African-American student body. It was east of the park. I vividly remember days as a young boy sitting in the back of my mom's classroom as she taught American history to a class of African-American teenagers. Her students were born before Brown versus Board of Education or Bowling versus Sharp. By her example, my mom taught me the importance of equality for all Americans, equal rights, equal dignity, and equal justice under law. My mom was a trailblazer. When I was 10, she went to law school at American University and became a prosecutor. I am an only child, and my introduction to law came at our dinner table when she practiced her closing arguments on my dad and me. Her trademark line was, use your common sense. What rings true? What rings false? One of the few women prosecutors at the time, she overcame barriers and was later appointed by Democratic governors to serve as a Maryland state trial judge. Our federal and state trial judges serve on the front lines of American justice. My mom taught me that judges don't deal in abstract principles. They decide for real cases, for real people in the real world. And she taught me that good judges must always stand in the shoes of others. The chairman referred to me today as Judge Kavanaugh, but to me, that title will always belong to my mom. For 12 years, I've been a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. I have written more than 300 opinions and handled more than 2,000 cases. I have given it my all in every case. I am proud of that body of work, and I stand behind it. I tell people, don't read about my judicial opinions, read the opinions. I've served with 17 other judges, each of them a colleague and a friend, on a court now led by our superb chief judge, Merrick Garland. My judicial philosophy is straightforward. A judge must be independent. 
and must interpret the law, not make the law. A judge must interpret statutes as written. A judge must interpret the Constitution as written, informed by history and tradition and precedent. In deciding cases, a judge must always keep in mind what Alexander Hamilton said in Federalist 83. The rules of legal interpretation are rules of common sense. A good judge must be an umpire, a neutral and impartial arbiter who favors no litigant or policy. As Justice Kennedy explained in Texas versus Johnson, one of his greatest opinions, judges do not make decisions to reach a preferred result. Judges make decisions because the law and the Constitution as we see them compel the results. Hey ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Over the past 12 years, I've ruled sometimes for the prosecution and sometimes for criminal defendants, sometimes for workers and sometimes for businesses, sometimes for environmentalists and sometimes for coal miners. In each case, I have followed the law. I do not decide cases based on personal or policy preferences. I am not a pro-plaintiff or pro-defendant judge. I'm not a pro-prosecution or pro-defense judge. I am a pro-law judge. Hey, friends, this is the sort of judge we need in the Supreme Court. And frankly, it's the type of impartiality we need in every courtroom in every state and we need on the federal bench. There is nothing radical about Judge Kavanaugh's jurisprudence. And to top it all, he's a decent man. In the next clip, he focuses more on his personal side, and it gives us a window into the type of man he is, even beyond his role as judge. Take a listen. Throughout my life, I've tried to serve the common good in keeping with my Jesuit high school's motto, men for others. I've spent my career in public service. I have tutored at Washington Jesuit Academy, a rigorous tuition-free school for boys from low-income families. At Catholic Charities at 10th and G, I serve meals to the homeless with my friend, Father John Ensler. In those works, I keep in mind the message of Matthew 25 and try to serve the least fortunate among us. I know I fall short at times, but I always want to do more and do better. One of the best parts of my job as a judge is each year hiring four recent law school graduates to serve as my law clerks for the year. I hire the best. My law clerks come from diverse backgrounds and points of view. A majority of my 48 law clerks have been women. More than a quarter of my law clerks have been minorities and I've had far more African-American law clerks than the percentage of African-American students in U.S. law schools. I am proud of all my law clerks. I'm grateful for my friends. 
This past May, I delivered the commencement address at Catholic University Law School. I gave the graduates this advice. Cherish your friends. Look out for your friends. Lift up your friends. Love your friends. Over the last eight weeks, I've been strengthened by the love of my friends, and I thank all my friends. I'm grateful to have my family behind me. My mom rightly gets a lot of attention, but a few words about my dad. He has an unparalleled work ethic and the gift for making friends with people, regardless of who they are or where they come from. My dad and I are both passionate sports fans. When I was seven, he took me to the 1972 NFC Championship game at RFK Stadium, just two miles from here. Upper deck, section 503, row three, seats eight and nine. When I was 17, we sat in the same seats for the 1982 NFC Championship game. In 1995, when I was 30, we were at Camden Yards together when Cal Ripken played at his 2,131st consecutive game and broke Lou Gehrig's seemingly unbreakable record. And so many other games with my dad. A lifetime of friendship forged in stadium seats over hot dogs and beer. My daughters, Margaret and Liza, will be in and out of this hearing room over the next few days. They are strong girls, dedicated students, outstanding athletes. In the time since you last saw them at the White House ceremony on July 9th, I'm pleased to report that Margaret's gotten her braces off <laughs> and has turned 13. Margaret is the sweetest girl you'll ever know. As for Liza, I tell her every night that no one gives a better hug than Liza Cavanaugh. Finally, I thank my wife, Ashley. She's a strong West Texan, a graduate of Abilene Cooper Public High School and the University of Texas at Austin. She's now the popular town manager of our local community. This has not exactly been the summer she had planned for the family. But I'm grateful for her love and inspiration. Ashley is a kind soul. She always sees the goodness in others. She's made me a better person and a better judge. I thank God every day for my family. I hope you can hear and realize this is a decent man that should be celebrated by both sides. He's not a politician and certainly did not deserve the level of vitriol he and his family experienced through these hearings. At one point, his young daughters had to be escorted from the hearing room because of the heckling. It was so completely uncalled for. I personally, as I sat there, just could not believe what was happening. How on earth have we come to this place? of incivility where a nominee's family has to be removed from the room because of the level of vitriol and verbal abuse. 
the man you just heard from is the man Concerned Women for America supported. And in fact, we took a bus around the country to seven states doing rallies, town hall meetings, state fairs. We had a fantastic time, but we really appreciated the opportunity to educate people on Judge Kavanaugh's record and to meet with grassroots and across America. It was an eye-opening and humbling experience, and I was so happy to be there. On our final stop in Florida, I wanted you to listen to a couple of interviews that CWA's communications coordinator, Annabelle Rutledge, conducted with a couple of our leaders. First, you'll hear from our CWA of Florida State Director, Terry Johannesson, and following that, you'll hear from Julie Greiner, our Young Women for America Chapter President at Florida State University. This is Annabelle Rutledge, Communications Coordinator for Concerned Women for America, and we are finishing up our bus tour today. It is Saturday in Jacksonville, and this is it. This is our last stop, and we had a great turnout here in Jacksonville. Thanks to Terry Johannesson, who I'm sitting here with right now, our state director in Florida, who turned out a crowd for us and was out there on the sidewalk <laughs> waving, waving a t-shirt, making sure that people ended up here. And so I just wanted to let Terry have a moment to talk about why this Supreme Court nomination is so important and what the people in Florida need to know. Well, you know, it's, it's not only important for me, but it's mostly important for young people like you, mm-hmm. my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren. I have one and a half. So I think it's so important because we've had such uh, a sided, one-sided Supreme Court for such a long time. And the thing that concerns me the most is that they really look at opinions and they look at their own personal feelings when it comes to rulings. And that bothers me. And I love the fact that uh, judges like Gorsuch and Thomas and Alito Mm -hmm. and now Kavanaugh will look at the Constitution first and foremost and will rule based on that not not on public opinion because we know what public opinion is like Mm -hmm. and so I think that's the reason we're out here and we're working very hard we're calling and we're encouraging Floridians to call their both their senators Mm -hmm. Marco Rubio and Bill Nelson and encourage them to vote for Kavanaugh because I really believe, like Penny says, this is a this is where the pendulum turns. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Senator Nelson actually is one of the senators who has been very outspoken against Judge Kavanaugh and recently said that he is just another right wing extremist. Well, you know, it's really funny that uh, Senator Nelson says that. He also proclaims himself as a moderate in our state. That he is a moderate, and I've looked at his voting record in uh, in Congress, and he is. Maybe his definition of a moderate is different than mine, Mm -hmm. but uh, he tends to vote straight party lines or he's either not there. So I take with a grain of salt what Senator Nelson says, and I really kind of would rather look at the record. Mm -hmm. Look at Judge Kavanaugh. Look at his his, uh, uh, findings. Read his statements about different issues and and different cases. And then you will see that he is on the same page as we are. And we need a balance on the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. We don't have that now. We haven't had it for a long, long time. And you know, the thing that bothers me, and one thing that I think that every U.S. citizen should realize, is the Supreme Court is supposed to be the lesser of the Mm -hmm. three branches of government. You know, the founders believed that they should have the least control over the people. But look at what's happened, because we have activist judges from the local level to the circuit, Look at the Ninth Circuit, look at all these judges until now. So, you know, we voted in 2016 because of this day and Mm -hmm. the day that we worked so hard to get Gorsuch in. That's why we worked so hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it is so important because there are only nine people, nine individuals who safeguard our Constitution. And Brett Kavanaugh has an excellent record, and we have 12 years to look at that. So you're right. absolutely right. And the other thing, too, Annabelle, is young people like you, I'm so encouraged to see you and Janae and so many young people out there fighting this fight. You know, for years, it was us old ladies out there, you know, with Mrs. Lay. <laughs> and we were working so hard. We said, where are the youth? And thank God you all have Young Women yeah. for America. Yep, absolutely. That is doing such a wonderful job. You guys are doing such a great job. And I just thank God every day for you. And I just pray that you guys will stay focused and stay healthy and also stay in God's will because yeah. that's the only thing. You know, we can elect judges. We can work hard for Kavanaugh. We can work hard for all these. We can work for the governors, whatever. But, you know, if God isn't in this, hmm. if he's not controlling these people or they're not seeking his advice mm -hmm. and his direction, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We have to be fervent about our prayer life. Yeah. And that's why we meet, Concerned Women for America, my group meets every Wednesday night, and now we're changing to Sunday nights, bring more people in. We're praying every Sunday night. And you know what's on top of our th young people we pray for? We pray for our government. We pray for our country. We pray for our leaders. And then we put action to it. This is Annabelle Rutledge, Communications Coordinator for Concerned Women for America. And right now we are sitting on our Women for Kavanaugh bus in Tallahassee, Florida. And we came out to meet up with local Floridians from Tallahassee who are passionate about Judge Brett Kavanaugh being confirmed to the Supreme Court. And we also have with us Julie Greiner, who is our YWA, Young Women for America, Chapter President at Florida State University. And I just wanted to introduce Julie and give her a chance to, first of all, talk about her chapter and what she's doing. So Julie, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your chapter at Florida State. I'm a senior at Florida State right now, majoring in public relations, and I have a community chapter full of young girls who are interested in getting active politically without really knowing a place to plug in because a lot of the platforms that are provided to us in college only assume that we are going to come from a liberal standpoint. So my friends who are interested in supporting conservative positions are involved in Young Women for America as a way to exercise their voice. Well, thank you so much for the work that you do on your campus. It means so much to us, and it honestly is making a difference. And I wanted to ask you just a little bit about why you're here today. And as a representative of YWA, why is the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh so important to your generation? So to me as a college student and also just as a young voter, it's important to me to see Kavanaugh confirmed because this is going to dictate the rest of my life almost. I mean, it's gonna, it's going to decide what laws are passed for a significant part of my life. And so it's important to me to see someone who is fair, who's just, and who's loyal to the Constitution be appointed. And I feel like I can speak for fellow college students in saying that for us it's more personal than any other kind of decision. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming out today. And what would you say to college students? What can they do? What's the most important thing that they can do in order to make a difference and see Brett Kavanaugh confirmed to the Supreme Court? I would say the most important thing that we can do, our generation can do, is to get out and use our voice. Um, we've seen that be powerful when it comes to um, the, the students at the Parkland High School and also um, 
in reaching our members of Congress. So I would say get out, call Senator Nelson and try to explain to him and, and have him hear your voice as to why we want Kavanaugh and get out and vote. That's the most important thing we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for being here. Thank we you. appreciate your presence here and we appreciate what you're doing the rest of this year, your senior year at Florida State. Thank you so much. Man, I am so proud of these volunteers standing forth for truth and justice wherever God has taken them. Concerned Women for America has hundreds of leaders just like that all over the country, and we are so proud to stand together with them. And listen, if you'd like to get more involved with Concerned Women for America, check out our website at concernedwomen.org. Send us an email and we'll get back to you. We would love to connect with you. That's concernedwomen.org. All right, that's about all the time we have left, folks. I just want to say what an honor it's been these past couple of weeks to represent you across the country and support of Judge Kavanaugh and to be in the hearing rooms with our Concerned Women for America leaders praying for Justice Kavanaugh. It's not over. There's still a vote to come. So keep praying. Stay engaged. Come to ConcernedWomen.org. Follow us on social media. We are in this together. Use your voice. Thanks for listening. Use Your Voice is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org.